Well, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to the jar. I'm so grateful for uh, China and Rick's story, and it's so cool now to see how uh, God has moved in Rick's life, and uh, he's a part of our Celebrate Recovery program, does a lot of the uh, different uh, feeding uh, of uh, different folks with this catering business, and uh, we're just so blessed. And I never get tired of hearing about second chances. Uh, There's so many uh, that happened here at the JAR, and we're so uh, grateful of people uh, being able to uh, celebrate in that. Uh, how many of you are warm? Raise your hand. How many of you are cold? Raise your hand. Okay, so if we can turn down the heat a little bit. It was, <clears throat> one thing when you're a portable church, it was 64 degrees in here for the first celebration, and then by the time you get here, You've slept in, you know, and you get here and you're a little bit warmer, but those four people that had 18 degrees. Hey, I just want to begin by asking uh, you a question. How many of you sometime uh, this week, were you going about your work week, maybe you were at home, uh, maybe you were somewhere else, and the thought just came to your mind, I am so tired. How many people could raise their hand, relate to that? I am so tired tired. I mean, I am worn out. I'm exhausted. I'm wiped. Now, there's different types of tired, aren't there? There uh, is the kind of tired that says, I need a nap. You know, just give me like 15 minutes uh, to take it easy to get a little bit of a nap and I'm good to go. Um, And then there's another kind of tired that is what I call, I am a bone tired. Like, I am so tired, a nap is not going to touch this thing at all. I am so tired that if, uh, you know, I had a good night's sleep, it still wouldn't be enough. I am so tired that if I had a week-long vacation in Florida, you know, that would not be enough. I'm just bone tired. I am so tired all the way to the very cells of my body. I'm just tired, you know, tired. And when I get there in my own life, what typically happens is it's not like these big things, but it's all these little small things that seem to kind of weigh down on me until eventually I am just worn out. I'm exhausted. And it feels like these layers are on top of me. For instance, there's such a thing as sports fatigue, right? You got your favorite sporting team, and for some reason, that team, uh, you know, isn't doing very well. For instance, if you're a baseball fan, how many Cubs fans are we there? Yeah, you know sports fatigue, don't you? I mean, you've been trying, people, even if you're a Cubs fan anymore, people don't even raise their hand here, I've noticed. You know, they're like, "Uh, yeah, I am, okay? Um, And uh, also, just wanted to let you know that we just uh, have 875 cans uh, that we uh, had. So that's to screw everything up, but uh, 875 cans. So if you didn't get cans, we're 125 short. So if you didn't bring a can, bring a can. Don't leave now, but just get a can next week. Um, But there's fatigue, you know, that you get for your sporting events. Maybe it's the Cubs. Or um, how many Steeler fans do we have here? Uh, I mean, it's a tough year, isn't it? I mean, like the steel curtain is no longer steel, right? 
And, uh, okay, how about NBA? How many of you are Laker fans? How many Laker fans? Yeah, like nobody, a few people way in the back. I mean, it's bad. You know, you hope Kobe comes back, but he may not, you know, and it's not good. And I understand what this is like because my team is the Colts, and a couple years ago, if you remember, we were 2-14, and 14, you know, and we would go to these games, and I was like, oh, my gosh, and they had that guy named Painter. Do you remember him? You're like, seriously? You know, give me a million bucks. I'll go out there and throw something, you know, and it was just bad, um, but there's sports fatigue. Now, there's other fatigue that comes into our life simply from the busyness of life. I have two girls, a four-year-old and a six-year-old, and uh, they can be, uh, you know, exhausting in and of themselves. And uh, it usually happens because three days a week, I get them up and get them ready for school. And it feels like many times that I'm kind of like a drill sergeant, a counselor, and a cheerleader all in one psychotic mess. You know what I mean? Like, I get them up, and they get their breakfast, and then all of a sudden I'm like, come on now, you got to hurry up. You got your shoes on. Uh, and, you know, they're fighting with their shoes. I'm like, they're Velcro. You can do that. I don't care how old you are, you know. And uh, come on, get your, go ahead, get your, uh, you know, your backpack. And do you have this? And do you have that? And do you have the other thing? And finally, you know, we get, I get both of them together, and we get them in the car, and we're taking off, and then all of a sudden it kind of feels like, you know, I become counselor. Hey, you guys okay back there? You know, were you a little bit stressed out this morning? Everything going okay? Um, you doing okay back there? You know, um, hey, why don't we pray? And, uh, you know, I get real pastorally, you know, as I'm heading to school. And like, you know, oh, you know, and be with our kids and, you know, teachers, principal. And, and then we finally get there and I'm kind of like a cheerleader. I'm like, you're going to have a great day. I mean, today's going to be a great day. You're going to have a great day. Don't worry about anything. It's going to be awesome. Man, you know, if I had to line up all the little girls in the world, I'd choose you number one. And hey, love you guys. Go crazy. And I know when they walk up to their preschool and their school, they're kind of like, get a grip, dad. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like, get a grip. And so eventually, you know, then the nagging mess happens where uh, they actually come home. And uh, they get home, and there's a dynamic of that stress. I mean, anyone have kindergartners in your world at all? Our oldest daughter is in kindergarten, and the first week, they had to draw a trapezoid. I was in sixth grade, and I didn't even know what a circle was. You know what I mean? I mean, it was just like this horrible kind of experience that, you know, of doing that. And so you finally get the homework done. And, you know, when you're a parent, uh, before you're a parent, you're like, you know, I'll be this kind of parent. We'll never watch TV. We'll hold each other and love and we'll, you know, play games and everything. And then you finally have kids. You're like, Disney Junior, get there, you know. And you like put them in front of the TV and they do that for a while. And then finally I'll get a phone call and my wife's like, hey, I'm done, I'm coming home. And I'll walk down and I'll think, you know what, they've been watching Disney Junior, nothing could be bad. And I walk in and it looks like World War III just hit the family room. There are toys everywhere, there's stuff everywhere. I'm like, come on, you got to pick up some stuff. Pick this up and pick this up. Your mom's going to kill us. Mom's coming home. (laughs) And so they get all this stuff together, you know, and then finally, you know, you get ready for bedtime and... You know, maybe you're all perfect parents, I don't know, but in my household, you know, it's like they, bedtime comes, they're like, Dad, can we have five more minutes? And, you know, I'm like, okay, you have five more minutes. We're watching Marmaduke last night. Have you ever watched that show before? 
No, because you don't have a four and six-year-old. You have a life. You know what I mean? I'm here watching dogs talk to each other. And it's like five minutes. They're like, no, 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 Dad, this isn't the part. 20 minutes. Finally, it's like 1030 at night. It's an hour later. I'm like, we got to go to bed. You know, and you finally get them in bed. And last night, uh, our oldest daughter just got bunk beds. And so the youngest one is one to sleep in the same room the whole time. And, you know, you think that's a great idea when you're at the furniture store, but then you finally get them in those beds, and all of a sudden they're, like, giggling at 2 in the morning, you know? (laughs) You know, and you're like, seriously? And you get to the end of the day, and parents, do you know what I'm talking about? You're just tired. Now, for some of you who don't have kids, I just gave you the greatest birth control, you know, teaching in the first 10 minutes here. And some of you are students. You're a student at Ball State or Ivy Tech, and I know what that's like. This, this season is a tough season. You got, uh, you know, finals coming up, and you got papers that you haven't even started on, and you're like trying to get all that stuff together, and you just feel worn out. You feel tired. And uh, some of you, uh, you know, this past uh, fall has been, you've been working your tail off. It's like you're working and you're working and you're working and you're, you know, going through the grind and you get to the end of it all and they say, hey, we're going to give you some more money if you make a, you know, if you work a little bit longer and so you do that and the holidays are coming, you're like, oh, I need to do that, but there's more pressure and more stuff and you just get tired and you get worn out. How many of you ever get tired of paying bills? Raise your hand. You know, before auto pay, I used to write all of the checks and uh, I'd write them and all of a sudden I'd start writing them like, damn, kind of get ticked. Electric company, gas co- are you serious? Water company? It's water! You know, and you're like writing it down and then all of a sudden I'd start walking around the house and Jen would be like, honey, what's wrong? Did something happen? No. It was just because I had to pay the bills. Uh, anyone having family over to your house for Thanksgiving, raise your hand. Listen to this. We have both sides of our family. My parents are coming on Friday, but my outlaws, no, no, no. I mean, my in-laws are coming on Thursday. And so it's like we have, you know, both of them all coming. And like, my wife is already tired and we're not even there yet, you know. And the reality is, folks, All of these things pile up and we get tired. Some of you are going through health stuff right now. No one else knows it, but you're going through a health thing or there's someone in your family that's going through some health stuff and it's wearing you out. You can even get tired of doing good. You can get tired of doing, making a difference, helping other people, engaging with God. You can get tired of coming to church because what happens is you start doing all these things and it just starts weighing you down and you just get tired and you're worn out and you're exhausted. Any of you remember that uh, John Mayer song, Stop This Train? You know, stop this train. I want to get off. Somebody, somewhere, stop this train. And so that's what I want to talk about today is when we're tired and we're worn out, what do we do? And how do we handle it? And that's what I want us to look at. Now, throughout this series, we've been looking in a book of the Bible called Galatians, which is in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, and uh, a guy by the name of Paul uh, wrote it. And kind of interesting thing about Paul, uh, he wrote over half the New Testament, but actually he used to hate Christians. 
In fact, he hated Christians so much that he actually plotted to kill some of the Christians. Now, I bet you know some Christians you'd like to kill, right? Uh, yeah. And, I mean, if you're a Christian, you can't do it. But, you know, I mean, there are people that you're just like, ah. And so Paul kind of has this experience where he's killing Christians, and then he becomes a follower of Jesus. And he doesn't just do that, but he goes out and he starts planting and starting all of these new churches in this area called Galatia. And it's in present-day Turkey in the Middle East, and he starts them, and everything's going well. But then all of a sudden, some drama gets in the church. And there is nothing worse than relational drama, right? I mean, when you have drama in a relationship, you have drama in your family, you have drama with friends, you have drama in the church, it can just be exhausting. And there's all this mudslinging that's going on in the church, and people's feelings are getting hurt, and people are exhausted. And Paul writes to him, and he says, don't get tired of doing good. Because... What you're going to find, folks, is as you give good to other people, as you do acts of goodness and kindness, eventually it comes back to you. So I want us to look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. It'll come up here on the side screens, and uh, this is what it says. Share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Now, I love this next verse. I need this verse, okay? If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I mean, leave it to the Bible. Like some of you came here today, you're like, I need some encouragement. And the Bible says, you ain't that important. And I don't know if you're like me, but every once in a while, I need to sit down and to be reminded, you know what, Chris? You might think you're pastor boy and you're up on the stage, but at the end of the day, you ain't that important. You're not that important. I mean, some of us need to write it down because it's the only time someone's going to tell you that this week because you need to be humbled enough to know that everything you do is not as important as you think it is. We need to hear it. We need to be reminded. We need to be willing to help other people. So when we use our second chance, the key is to be a second chance for someone else. And when we do that, it tends to create energy within each of our own lives. So the first challenge that Paul gives to us is this. It'll come up on the side screen. Challenge number one, share others' burdens in your life. Share others' burdens. Now here, Paul uses the word burdens, and in the original language of the New Testament, which was Greek, there were actually two words uh, for this concept of burdens. One was a definition of a burden that you individually could care for yourself. You could take on that burden by yourself. But the second definition of this concept of burden, which is what this text is talking about, is when it's like a super-sized burden. I mean, it's so big, you can't do it. It's way too big. So what we're going to do is I'm going to illustrate this by giving you a couple of images Uh, here's a student, they have their backpack, they can carry that on their own. They can walk with that. But what Paul's talking about is share each other's burdens. Again, it's a supersized burden, and this burden looks more like this. It's supersized. Okay, let's look at this next image. Now look at that. 
here's a wonderful mom and a little baby, and we're so kind, everything's wonderful. They're beginning their journey together as mom and baby, a wonderful life, and uh, then here's another image. <laughs> Do you remember this story? Do you know who this is? First person that does it gets a free can of vegetables, okay? Uh, who is it? Anybody remember them? Yell their names. The Macaulays, okay? And uh, there were all of these kids. You know how old those kids are right now? Sixteen. And you think you have issues. You know what I mean? All those 16-year-olds. You think you're tired. Not so much. Okay, here's the next image. Okay, here's a uh, dump truck. It has uh, gravel. Uh, it has dirt in it. I mean, it's a big truck, um, but it's proportionate to the size of burden that it can carry. Okay? Now let's look at the next one. Okay? That is what you call a super-sized burden going on right there. And folks, some of us, in our own lives, that's where you're at right now. You just feel like all the burdens of the world are weighing you down. And they're coming one right after another. And you feel that weight. And Some of you are here today, and you're like, when you talk about share each other's burdens, I need that. Well, you know what the reality is, folks? That's what the church is about. You are here not by accident. God brought you here today, and we want to be able to help share your burdens. We we can't take the weight of the burden away from you, but we can share together the weight that you have. And how do you do that? This is how you do that. When someone's going through some stuff, and maybe they're dealing with some marriage issues, you go and you say, you know what, we're going to watch the kids tonight so that you guys can go off and do your own thing. Or if someone's struggling financially with something, you say, you know what, here's a grocery card, just go take care of that. Or you say, you know what, we'll bring groceries to you. Some of you have friends that you know well enough that when they're struggling, what you should do is go in their house and go, I know things are a mess. And start doing their laundry and just take care of them. There was a group of people uh, from church here yesterday. We have a a guy in our church who was diagnosed with uh, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease. And six months ago, he was walking in here, talking, everything was fine. And today he's confined to a wheelchair and he can't talk. And there was a group of people that weren't like, hey, do you need anything? Well, of course they need stuff. And a group of people went and said, you know what? We're just going to go and everything that's outside of their house, we're going to take it in because we know that his wife can't do it on their own. And it didn't take forever, but it was an hour where they were just doing that. And folks... When people are going through stuff, what they don't need to hear is, um, well, do you need anything? Can I help you in some way? What do you need? You know what that does? That just puts more pressure on people. Now they've got to start thinking, oh, gosh, i got to do something. I guess I better tell them something that they, you know, they could do. No. If someone in your life is carrying a supersized burden, folks, go meet their need. Just go meet it on the spot. Look at whatever it is that you can do to meet their need. 
Now, some of you are here today and you're like, I'm that person, man. But I feel like there's nobody who's there to meet my need. And I want you to look at this next passage of Scripture because it's a powerful thing. You might want to hang it up somewhere because when you think you're all alone, you're never alone. Here's what Jesus says. He says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. How powerful is that? He goes on to say, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. He says, if you'll just come to me, I'll take so much of that away that then you can carry a sizable, manageable burden. If you would, I'd like you to Think about in your own life. What are the things in your life that when you have burdens that you're carrying and you're overwhelmed and you go to God with those, what are those things that you can do that gives you strength, that gives you energy, that replenishes your spirit? Now, for some of you, that might be reading. It's kind of like, you know, every time when you're feeling overwhelmed, you just pick up the Bible and you open it up and you start reading something. All of a sudden, you start getting encouraged and, uh, you know, you're, you're um, lifted up. Your spirits are lifted up. And uh, for others of you, uh, you're like, you know, if I opened that up and I started reading it, pretty soon I'd be like, because you're too tired. You're worn out. Other of you, uh, others of you, it's prayer. We have people here, they just love to pray. They walk through their day, they love to pray, and uh, they're like, you know what, I just feel encouraged when I take some time aside and I spend some time in prayer. Others of you, if you sat down to really give, you know, 15 or 20 minutes in prayer, and you started doing that, all of a sudden you'd be like this. Oh, there's a squirrel right there, look at that. (laughs) Or all of a sudden, oh, I got 14 lists that I need to do in my head. And, you know, all of a sudden you get kind of distracted, you don't have focus. For some of you, it's nature. You feel closest to God and most connected to God when you get out in nature. And you're outside and you're riding your bike or you're walking in the woods or whatever. And you feel this connection with God. Now, for others of you, not so much. You get outside and you're like, it is way too hot. Or like this morning, it is freezing. Why would anyone ever want to go outside? Or there's bugs out there. Or there's birds. Or there's leaves. Or there's just outside, you know, and it does nothing for you. For some of you, it's music. You put some music on and you start hearing some, maybe some worship music and it lights you up. And for others of you, you listen to the music this morning, you're like, is this ever going to be over? And is Chris going to talk, you know? Um, Because for you, you don't want that. You want the meat of the message and that's what you're looking for. And we're all different. But what is it that causes you to feel strong? What is it that replenishes your spirit? Now, this is the reason why I'm asking this. This week, every single one of you are going to hit a point in which you're going to be tired. You're going to be worn out. You're going to be overwhelmed. Something's going to happen in your life. And when it does, what are you going to do to allow yourself to be replenished? So I want to encourage you to start thinking about in your calendar right now, Where in my day can I give 10 minutes or 15 minutes? We'll talk more about this next week. 
but 10 minutes or 15 minutes that I can give to God so that I don't get so worn out that I'm not connecting with Him. And you put it in your calendar. And just like every other appointment, that one is connected as well. And you find rest. Well, here's the second challenge that Paul gives to us, and it's this. He says, plant where it lasts. He says, hey, guys, when you plant, you need to plant where it lasts. Now, how many of you are green thumbs? You love to plant stuff. You're good at it. Okay? There's several. Okay? How many of you, not so much? Okay? You kill things. You know what I mean? Now, my wife Jennifer and I, we fall into the second category. We are just not good at planting like anything. We've been married 19 years, and we have never had a plant last longer than three uh, months. I mean, seriously. That's how bad we are. We know how to kill them, okay? There's only one plant that has ever lasted longer than three months, and it was a plant that was given to her, at her uh, when her grandfather died. And this thing has lasted through everything. I mean, I don't know what has happened, but it just lasts. But we had small group on Monday. If you're not in a small group, you really need to get into one. But we were at our small group on Monday, and um, all of a sudden I see this plant, and it's just like brown. Like the entire thing is nothing but brown. And I'm like, we need to throw that out, you know? Like do something different. Happy Thanksgiving. Get rid of it. And... Small group gets done, and Jennifer goes over there, and she starts, like, pulling out all the brown stuff that's in this plant. And she's looking at it like, oh, it's going to survive. And she starts, like, putting water on it. She's like, oh, it's going to be beautiful, you know? And I'm thinking, it's dying, you know? Now, here's the thing, folks. In our lives, when it comes to the things that we planted, there is a universal truth that you know that everybody knows. It's a farming uh, analogy, and it's this. Whatever you, or you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. You harvest what you plant. In fact, this is how Paul puts it in verse 7. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. So if you're here today and you plant things by being good and kind and compassionate, what this scripture says is that goodness and kindness and compassion will come back to your life eventually. That if you plant generosity, eventually generosity comes back to your life. That if you plant love, eventually love comes back to your life. Now the opposite can be true also. If you plant greed, what are you going to get? The ramifications of greed are going to hit your life. If you plant selfishness, what's going to come back? Selfishness. And here Paul is saying you always harvest what you plant. Now, folks, how you live your life has a tendency to eventually come back to you. You'll always harvest what you plant. Paul goes on in verse 8 and he says this, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from their sinful nature. So what he's saying is that if you choose to be all about yourself and you're selfish about your desires, the ramifications of that will eventually hit. 
But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is, what's it say? What? What is good. Don't get tired of doing what is good. You see, the Galatians were bone tired. They're worn out. Do not give up from doing good. Don't stop doing what is good. Now, this next sentence is the reason why many of you are here. You didn't realize it when you woke up this morning, because when you woke up this morning, you thought, you know what? Uh, It's 18 degrees. I'm not sure I'm going to church. But something got you here, and I think for many of you, this is it. And here's the passage. It says, at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't, what's it say? What? If we don't give up. Some of you are here, and you're tired, and you're worn out. And if you were honest, you're like, man, I didn't even want to come today, but, you know, someone was getting baptized, and so I was like, yeah, I better go. Some of you just wanted to pull up the covers today and kind of go like this. Uh, when's the Colts on? Uh, four o'clock. Uh, you know, you just want to stay where you were. And you've been trying to do your life better, though, and get better and read your Bible and pray, and you got all this stuff, and I'm just tired, man. It's working on me. I don't know what's happening. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to be kind, but things are just happening. And here's what I want you to be reminded at this morning. At the right time, you will reap a harvest of blessing if you what? Don't give up. Don't tap out. Don't give up. Don't check out. Don't walk away. Don't call it in. Don't quit. You've come too far to turn around and go back the other way. God has done so much in your life. Remember the things that He's done. Stay the course. Now, here's what I've noticed in my own life. When I'm going through all of this, it's great when I'm on mountaintops. But when I hit valleys, then it's much more difficult to stay on course. And why is that? Well, this is what I've noticed. A couple seasons in my life, one happened when I first started my master's degree for seminary, and the other one happened five years ago when uh, all the staff of the church left except uh, for Mikey. And I was overwhelmed, and I just sensed, like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to stop. I want to quit. I want to give up. I don't want to do this. I don't want to keep on pushing forward. But by God's grace, what happened was there were some people around me who said, we're not going to let you give up. We are going to share this burden with you, Chris, and we are going to walk with you, and if we have to, we'll carry you. And I look back now, and this is the point that some of you need to realize, because you're going through a lot of stuff, and you're like, man, I'm just about ready to give up on this God thing. I'm about ready to give up on this church thing. I'm just about done. And you're just almost to your breakthrough. And the thing that I look back on is I realized I was so close to a huge breakthrough in my life if I just didn't give up, and I'm so glad I didn't. I'm one click away for things to change. And so I'm going to do it. I'm just going to keep on doing what you say, God. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And the Bible says that you'll reap a harvest of blessing. Now, this is the thing that the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't say you get the blessing immediately. 
You see, for some of us, what we think, like if it were up to me, my harvest of blessing, every time I planted, bam, immediate growth. You know what I mean? Like, hey, God, I'm going to be kind to you. Bring all the kindness back to me. God, I'm going to be good to you. Bring all the goodness back to me. I'm going to be generous to you. Give me all the money you can give me. I'm going to be kind to you. Give me kindness back to me. No, 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 no. It says this. It says in God's time, in His power, in His design, you will reap a harvest of blessing. Now hear me on this. Folks, this is a principle that God has wired into every single one of us, into our DNA. It's a part of us. That if you plant, it will eventually happen. It will eventually take place. You just keep on planting. You keep loving. You keep serving. You keep coming to church. You keep reading your Bible. You keep praying. You keep walking. You hold your family close to you. You keep putting one step in front of the other, and eventually you harvest the blessing. And if you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you say no matter what happens, no matter what the challenge is, no matter what's going on, if you don't give up, you'll receive a harvest of blessing. So stay the course. Don't give up. Now, up here the entire time, there's been two um, pots. One says me, and the other one over here uh, says he. And I was thinking about it that many of us plant a lot of things in the me bucket, and we just leave it there for a long time. And the problem is, is when we do that, we get so focused on me that we don't think about he. And then when we do think about he, this is what we think. The he bucket or the God bucket, you know what it's all about? It's simply all about going to church. Well, folks, church is just one hour a week. The God bucket isn't about church. The God bucket is about your whole life and how you live it, what you do. So what do we need to plant in the God bucket? Well, first of all, we have people. Now, some of you would like to be like, I'd like to plant uh, some people six feet under, okay? We're not talking about that, okay? What we're talking about is relationships, that you want to plant some relationships in your life, some people in your life. I mean, before I was a follower of Christ, I was all about me. What can you do for me? How can you serve me? What relationship can I get so it's about me? What can I do that they will do something for me? Will they bring out the best in me? Will they love me? Will they serve me? Will they be kind to me? Will they love my kind of TV? Will they love my kind of hobbies? Will they pay for all of my stuff? And the problem is, when it's all about you and your relationship, you start sowing things in your life that is going to lead to decay. That's what Paul says. If you're selfish and you're sinful, eventually that's what you reap. But what happens if we take the people in our lives and the relationships that we have and we move it over to the he bucket. And we say, you know what? Now, first of all, in all of my relationships, in all my uh, people-focused relationships, I'm going to say, God, I want you to be the number one relationship in my life and I'm going to ask you 
to help me as I plant in you to have healthy relationships all around me. And in these relationships, I'm going to learn how to serve you and love you, but then I'm going to learn how to serve and love other people around me. Because I realize now that relationships aren't primarily about me, but they are about what I can give to other people. Because as I give and as I serve and as I love other people, my relationships get better. The people in my life get better when I plan it in the God bucket. Now here's another one, is our work. Now for many of us, we get focused on the fact of thinking that work is only about me and what uh, I get out of it. In other words, it's about the company and it's about the paycheck. But folks, it's also about how Since you spend so much time there, how can you actually maybe do something that you would have God in the midst of your work as well? Now, some people uh, think that if you're going to be a Christian at work, what you need to do is, you know, bring your Bible and go, got my Bible. Want to know about Jesus? Here you go. Or you go to the, you know, the break room. And as everyone's there, you're like, hey, just wonder if you want to start singing a song. You know, I need you. Oh, I need you. Anybody want to join along with me? Let's all sing this together, you know. Now, if you do that, you know what I mean? You might get fired, number one. But number two, if you do that, and they're like, what church do you go to? Don't tell them the jar. Tell them something else, you know what I mean? But when it comes to our career, I'm just suggesting this. When you drive to work this week, when you walk through those doors, that you would actually stop and pause just for a moment and say this prayer. God, I'm serving you today. Use me in whatever you want to do today. Now, folks, I realize some of you are underpaid. You're underemployed. You're like, you know what? It's just not a healthy environment where I work at right now. But I don't know why, but God has planted you there for a purpose. And he's expecting that you would actually be his hands and feet while you're there. He's not asking you to go preach or, you know, to start singing the latest worship songs or, you know, put them on your headphones. You ever see that? You know, people are in the workplace and they put it on, they crank it up real high and then all of a sudden you walk by them and it's like, Jesus! And you're like, whoa! You know? Because they are taking their faith but they're not living it in the workplace. Because this is the thing that I believe. The reality is God is already at work in some of the lives of your coworkers. He's already working in them. And what he simply wants is some people around them who are trustworthy, who are hard workers, who don't gossip when everybody else is in the workplace. And here's the big one, folks. You just don't judge people. Don't judge people. It's the dumbest thing to be. If you're a follower of Jesus or you're trying to become one, the dumbest thing you could ever do is judge someone else because you're a mess yourself. I hear females talk about it. You're a hot mess. You know what I mean? You're a hot mess. You don't need... Like, to tell someone else they're a hot mess, you already are. So don't judge them. And eventually, what will happen is, as you live this way at work, people are actually drawn to people like that. They want to get connected to people like that. They want to know 
why it is you act the way that you do. They want to know the God that you follow. And here's the final one, stuff. You like some stuff? I love me some stuff. Everybody likes some stuff, don't they? I mean, and you get some stuff, and you get some more stuff, and you get that stuff, and you get all together, and you're like, oh, man, I love my stuff. Then you get your stuff, and you start protecting your stuff. Because if you're in the me bucket, it's all about your stuff. And I don't want to share it with anybody else, so it's my stuff. Get away. My stuff, you know? And it's all about you and your stuff. And this is what happens. You start getting so selfish about it that you literally think everything that you have is your stuff. But you know what the reality is, folks? Everything that you have, all the stuff in your life, is simply a gift from God. You don't even have to believe it today. But it's true. And what happens is when people are in this this bucket right here, they have tight fists. They hold on to it. And when they move the stuff into the he bucket, all of a sudden they open up their hands And they're very generous because they realize it's all from God's hands to begin with. Now, that doesn't mean you didn't work hard. I mean, use common sense. You worked hard. You put the money in. You did all that kind of stuff to get whatever stuff that you have, your abilities. But at the end of the day, you had the strength, the ability, the oxygen to breathe, breathe, the muscle to work, the intelligence given by God to you. Why? Because God gave that to you. He sustained you. He protected you. He provided for you. It's his stuff. And he says, I'll let you reap some of it, but it's all God's. And when you realize that, folks, like I said, all of a sudden you go from being a person that has closed hands and tight fists to one who is planted into the he and you open it up and you give of yourself away. Well, I was trying to think this week of uh, how we would close. And this is how we're going to close today. If you would, in your program, when you first walked in, you should have received a card. Um, It looks just like this. It says, I need a second chance with. And if you need a card, just raise your hand. This is something everyone's going to do. So we have greeters right here that can pass those out. Uh, If you just raise your hand real quick, pass it on to some different people so they can help it out. But it says, I need a second chance with, and then it says, please check one of these areas. Maybe the relationships in your life are all about you right now, and you're in the me bucket, and you need to move it. You want the help to be able to move it, okay? Or maybe for some of you, it's the work bucket. Your work is all about you. Maybe you're struggling right now. You're unemployed. You're like, man, I just need a job. I need somebody to pray to help me to do that. But it's all about you right now, and you really need God to move and direct in the midst of that. And then, you know, for some of you, maybe it's your stuff. You keep thinking that it's all about your stuff, and your stuff has made you selfish, and your stuff has, like, kind of got you disconnected from God the more uh, that you've gotten further away. And so uh, what we're going to do is... Uh, if you flip it on the other side then, so check one of those. And then on the back, um, it says, if we can flip that over to the other side. Okay, well, there's another side. And uh, 
There it is. You know, it's amazing how these sides just come sometimes. But then we want you to do a prayer request. Just your first name. Don't put your last name, but just your first name, just Chris, and here's whatever my prayer request is. And we want you to write it down. And this is what's going to happen. From now until Christmas, there are 54 people in the church that have committed to pray every single day for your prayer request. And whatever that thing is, I think God's going to move in whatever that is to get you out of the me bucket to get into the he bucket. And so 50 people will be praying. And so for some of you, you might, you know, you might put uh, your name down there. Maybe your name's Frank. And on the other side, you checked uh, people. And you just said, you know what? I need a second chance with my daughter. I need to be reconciled with her. Please, somebody pray. And that's yours. Maybe for others of you, maybe your name's Nancy. And you checked work. And you're like, I need a job. Or maybe you're like, you know what? What I need a second chance in right now is uh, to be able to have a good attitude when I'm going to work. And then maybe for some of you, Uh, It's the last one, and it's stuff. And you would just write down there, you know, uh, I want to give stuff away. I've gotten so consumed by stuff. I'm so far in debt right now because of the stuff in my life that God helped me get out of debt. So I'm not consumed with me that I really focus on he. And so I don't know what it is that God's calling you to do, but Derek's going to come up here. And he's going to just play underneath for a little bit. And I just want you to take a moment between you and God to write down what is that thing that you want to check off, people or stuff or work that has been in the he buckets consuming there. And you have a prayer request that you want he, you want God to move. And people will be praying for that. So just take a couple of moments to do that. And when you're done, then if you'll just take that card And you'll just take it to the he, almost like a a form of surrender that you'll give it uh, to God. You'll say, God, here's the thing that I need. And someone will pray for that. So let's take a couple of moments here. And um, you can fill that out and then I'll uh, close us in prayer. And so when you're done, just come up and put it in there. If you come back to your seat. And uh, we'll close with a song about God's love for you, that he has amazing love for you. So whenever you're ready, just come on up.
why don't you stand and uh, we'll pray. If you're still working on your card, that's fine. Just come up, drop it in. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you so much that you've given every single person here a second chance. As people come up and they surrender something to you, asking that you would move and work in that. God, we pray already that as you plant that into your soil of the he bucket, God, that lives would be changed in this place. That by Christmas, there'd be a lot of people who would have lighter loads and would be challenged to live a life that uh, pleases you in greater ways. And for people, God, who are hurting right now, and they that image of that backpack that was the full size of the person, God, would you come right now through your Holy Spirit and would you uh, touch people's lives? So God, we ask that you would come and you would move. Remind us how much we're loved and how much you desire to give second chances to us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. If you'd like to accept Christ, I'm going to be over here on the side. You can do that. If you'd like prayer for anything, the prayer team's up here. But let's close in this song and uh, we'll be done. He is jealous Loves like a hurricane I am a tree
walked up here, I, I noticed you guys can't see the, but there's a shadow here. And uh, I just want to encourage you on this Thanksgiving. Don't put me in the spotlight. Don't put yourself in the spotlight. Don't put anyone else in the me bucket. Surrender everything that you have to him. Because it is the best way to live your life. And the joy that fills my life every single day is I don't do it right and there's times that I struggle, but I just keep going back and saying, God, you know, I want my work and my stuff and the people in my life and the relationships that I have in the he bucket. And you can do that. And I pray that you do with your families, everyone else. Um, we're going to have baptism right now. I'd love for any of you to stay. We have five people getting baptized today. So that's cool. And uh, have a great week. Know you're loved in this place. If you like prayer for anything, uh, come on up. We'll see you poolside. Hey, and if you want to help stay, stay and tear down, there's going to be the tear down team is going to meet over by the closet door over there. So if you'd love to help and stay, you can meet them over there.